Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Press Box Perspective podcast. Alongside my man, Evan Petzold, I'm Eric Fanapiper. This is the first ever episode, Evan. How's it going? Uh, first one, right? Pretty first nice. one. Yeah, no, things are things are well, and things are going just fine. I'm just excited to you know, get a chance to talk about sports in, in kind of our own way, right? Because for me as a journalist, I'm restricted in what I can do in some ways. You as a broadcaster, I know it's the same way. You know, you, you don't get... All the freedom you'd probably like, but here, just doing a podcast, you and me, we both get that, and and I'm really excited. And it's co- two, honestly, completely different views. I mean, both members of the media, but you as journalists, mm-hmm. me more as a play-by-play announcer, so uh, it, it should be fun. We got a lot of segments. Our first one that we're going to get to, though, is Central Michigan head football coach John Bonamigo recently fired after last week's loss against Toledo. Evan, I know you have a little bit more insider information uh, as a writer for CM Life, so I'll let you really much just take the reins for the first part of this segment and what you know about John Bonamigo and his his departure from CMU. Yeah, I mean, we can bounce back and forth a little bit too. I know that you're around the program and, and you understand you know, what he means as a figurehead to Central Michigan University, not only within the program, but just you know, as a person as a whole, right, across all of campus. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. He's a big deal. He is, he is the guy. When you think CMU, you think Coach Bono, that's that's exactly what you think every time. Well, look right over here. I got a got a bobblehead over here in the ESPN 100.9 studios where we're recording today. So he's a he's a big guy, high top Dow Diamond. But but yeah, you know, and obviously the season didn't go the way that he would have liked it to go. You know, by any means, one and eleven overall, zero and eight. Um, you know, in the Mid American Conference, it was the most losses ever for a Central Michigan football team, you know, dating back to when the you know the program started back in 1896 history was made in blowout fashion cmu they were beaten and broken down by toledo 51 to 13 on november 23rd that was the last game of their season and it was a situation where at that point bonamigo lost control of everything that he had i mean you you look at not only not only wins and losses you you go beyond that and you go you know what it means to coach a team as a player's coach which that's how he's He's kind of looked at, you know, no one looks at him as an offensive minded coach or a defensive minded coach. He's looked at as a player's coach. Right. Right. And right. you go into that game and granted, yeah, the offense wasn't good and it hasn't been all season. The defense was great. But you go into that game as a player's coach and, and you have you know three of your players ejected. You start two fights. That's not a good look. And, you know, who was sitting down there watching the whole thing on the sidelines. Johnny Bonamigo. Yeah, he was sitting right there. But, you know, who was next to him, though? Athletic director Michael Alfred, and I'm sure that wasn't a good look for him. No, you know, for the university, that's that's not what you want to see. So yeah, I mean, after the game, you know, obviously didn't didn't go the way that they wanted to, but um, you know, I went down there and I I talked to him for the post game press conference, and you know, he said, "quote I'm not a quitter. I like to have a chance to finish what I started. We've got a lot of young players, but clearly the season was not good enough. There isn't a person on this planet that's more disappointed than I am." End quote. And then I asked him, you know, would you ever think about leaving CMU? And he basically basically claimed that, you know, quitting is different than being asked to leave, which is different than being fired. So you know, he said, again, quote, I've never quit anything in my life. Quitting and being asked to leave are two different things. I don't know if I'm, the, I'm in the right mind frame to answer that question at this point in time, end quote. And then just hours later, he was fired as the head coach. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a sad ending to what, Things could have been. I mean, you think about it in retrospect. Someone was going to have to have that one in eleven season, right? I mean, yeah, it, 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 yeah. It happened, I mean, it was going right? to happen eventually. It was going to happen at some point, and it was going to happen to someone. 
and it just happened to him. And and I really think, and I know you and I talked a lot, talked about it a little bit off the air. We kind of brought up the point of, hey, this guy, like like I mentioned, is a player's coach. But yet all the offensive struggles are blamed on him. I mean, do you think he deserved another year? Uh, I mean, it, he had a little bit of success at Central Michigan. I mean, not like the best amount of success. He had a little I bit mean, of success. I mean, he took him to three bowl games, lost them all, but still. Yeah, yeah but he, I mean, success. he made it to three bowl games. There, yeah. I, think, I think where the problem was, though, was that five-year extension that mm-hmm. got him because not only did it lock CMU into a five-year extension, but then it also locked him down with the automatic buyout if he was fired. It was $1.125 million, which, again, you know a little bit more about, and we'll get to that in a second. But I think where the real problem was made there was with that extension. There was no reason. I mean, there was no need to really make that extension no. either. And that kind of makes me wonder, you know, you, you look back into into why was that extension even made? I mean, you lose three bowl games. What was it? I mean, was he threatening to leave for the NFL? Was he looking at a different school? Was it something to keep him locked in? I know CMU was his dream job, but still, I mean, the guy wants to make money. Did he have something to use for leverage? I mean, what was right. it? And that's a question that we're never going to know the answer to. But it's still interesting to think, why was that? You know, contract extension given, and what was the real? What was the need for it? Yeah, I mean, he still had more years left. It was just an added bump, and what was the point? I, I don't, I, I don't get that. I think one of the funny things too is just eleven months after signing the extension, he's fired. So like, you didn't even let him get a full year into his five year extension. Yeah, and you fire him. No, I mean, I, I definitely think that you know, Bonamigo should not have been fired. I, I, I think that he was going in the right direction. They just lost two commits from the Detroit area, both of them three-star guys. I mean, there there have been guys that um, that have left, and obviously, the, you know, you have your your big five from Detroit. You know, a couple of them being from Detroit, Martin Luther King, and then you know others being from Cass Tech. One of them is your quarterback in the 2019 class, Daquan Finn. If he ends up leaving, like you know, two of his buddies at, at Cass Tech did. That that's going to be rough, you know. Obviously, he's from Martin Luther King, but still, I mean, those guys are all really tight down there, and they've yeah. been looking forward to coming up here for a long time. So you lose that, and and that's that's rough. But yeah, I mean, now kind of things have been turned from okay, Bono's fired to what's going on with this buyout, and that, that's the big question. And right, you know, connecting the dots. Obviously, you know, in my opinion, not knowing anything one hundred percent for certain. I think that there is a little bit of it that's tied to the situation that happened with Paulette Bonamigo mm-hmm. up in the press box. And that, that happened, you know, when CMU was playing Ball State on October 13th. It was a altercation with CMU play-by-play broadcaster Don Shido. And essentially what happened was Shido made a comment during his post-game show on the Chippewa Sports Network and it upset Paulette. And essentially what she did was went up to him and said, we can go back to the NFL whenever you want. You know, we, we can we can get out of here. We don't need CMU. Right, right. Basically, you know, basically kind of trash talked him, right? And um, there were some other factors in play as well. But what it all boiled down to is that she was banned from the press box. Right. And was she banned know, from just the press box or the entire stadium? Entire stadium, entire okay. stadium. Yeah. So she was banned from all of Kelly Short Stadium. Not allowed to to ever step foot back in there. I mean, come on, man. And then. You know, that that happens on October 13th, and then, you know, head coach slash husband gets fired just over a month later. Really? Yeah. There's, not, there's no, there's there's anything no there. correlation there? I mean, come yeah. on. There, there's got to be correlation. And, and that's what Athletic Director Michael Alford said to me in a statement uh, when I gave him a phone call. He said, quote, the safety of our employees, students, and guests is always a top priority of mine. 
Our actions, processes, and decisions are designed to ensure safety and maintain a respectful and professional environment at all times. End quote. So clearly, he, he literally said right there, our actions, processes, and decisions are designed to ensure safety and maintain a professional environment. So, of course, there was something that was going on there. Right, of course, right. That, and, and people have been commenting to me saying, how is this relevant? How does this matter? What are you trying to do to the Bonamigos? Are you trying to screw them over? No, I, I like John. I think he's a good coach. I think he deserved another year. I think he's a good guy. But news is news, and, and I had to report that. And you kind of wonder, would they have been able to pay the $1.125 million? Does this give no. them a way to lower it? Because I know now that they're in negotiation with Bonamigos reps about trying to lower that buyout. And and make it so they re, they're going to be able to pay him for firing him. Yeah. So I mean, is is Paulette's mistake kind of what led to Bonamigo being fired? That's a question that we're never going to know the definitive answer. I mean, to, the fact that he was one eleven, I think, definitely didn't help his his chances. There but are also, many factors at play, and I think the situation with Paulette was one of them. Oh yeah, I think Paulette definitely comes into a, a effect there. But I think you know, worst season in CMU history after taking him to three straight bowl games, even though you lost the bowl games. You go to three straight bowl games and then have a 1-11 season? Yeah. Uh, that doesn't help. You talked about Daquan Finn, though. Uh, just won a state title mm-hmm. at Martin Luther King in his senior season. And that state title game ran for 73 yards and a touchdown, threw for 173 and four touchdowns through the air. So if he, for some reason, decommits and, and Central Michigan loses that, that's going to be a huge loss. Yeah, I mean, what do you want to really know about Finn? I mean, besides the fact that, that he can do it all. And, and if you want to look at his offer sheet – um, you know, he does have 11 offers, and the, the top two that he's been considering um, are Central Michigan and Toledo. Those are kind of his big two. He doesn't want to go to Air Force. He's not really interested in Bowling Green. But Toledo. Toledo's the Toledo. school he could end up at. I mean, and it's I, a lot, I, it's a lot closer to Detroit it. than it is Mount Pleasant. And they've been making a strong push for him for yeah. you know, a good six months now. I mean, really, since the beginning you know, of, of really last summer, even into the spring a little bit, um, offered him and started making some serious pushing uh, on him and trying to knock on his door and get him to come over there. And this might have been what makes that happen. And then you, you kind of question, okay, well, you need a quarterback in the class. New coach is going to show up. Who's going to bring somebody on board? Right. And, and you got to look to Juco immediately after that. I mean, you look at a, a guy like a, a Messiah DeWeaver from EMCC who was at Michigan State, and, you know, he has a CMU offer. And he's really their only you know, JUCO quarterback that has an offer right now, and he's right. interested in them. He says that, you know, he told me when I interviewed him that he's a guy that wherever he goes, and if he plays, he's a winner. He's proven that every step of the way. Remember, he didn't play much at Michigan State, right. hence why he wasn't a you know quote winner. But there, there's got to be something to fill that void if Taquan Finn leaves, because he's the future at quarterback. He's a guy that I think could have you know, could really come into CMU and start as a true freshman. He's got those abilities. Yeah, for sure. Who do you think, I mean, I've got my, obviously, I've got my ideas of who I think John Bonamigo should be replaced by. Honestly, I think before Bonamigo was even hired, Tony Anise should have been the head coach of Central Michigan before Bonamigo. I think Anise is the front runner to take that spot. Obviously, Tony Anise at Ferris State right now, and he's he's shown that he can win at Ferris State. He's shown that he can win at the high school level with my alma mater, Montrose, Ann Arbor Pioneer, and Muskegon. Like, this guy knows he can win. He's mm-hmm. shown that he can win. I think he's got to be the front runner to take that spot. Yeah, I mean, looking at Anise, he was... He tried to go for the job at CMU four years ago. He says that he didn't, but, I mean, people know that he did. Uh, essentially, he, he told um, one of the reporters that, you know, he did look at that job a little bit and then... Once he didn't get it, he told reporters that he didn't try to go for that job. But 
basically he did. Dave he- Dave Hickey, the old athletic director, kind of gave him the cold shoulder and, and didn't really get much of a thought. Um, didn't give a, a big thought to him, but nonetheless, I mean, Anise can coach. All right, right. don't don't get me wrong. I mean, he he took over for Ferris State in December of 2011, and he's gone 72 and 14. I mean, and, and that's after you know working at at Grand Rapids Community College and then Muskegon as well, and and just having some different avenues there up the coaching ranks. I think he's an option. Um, and obviously, you know, if you have more to talk about on him, you know, we can get there. But looking at a, a short list that might be out there, Butch Jones, one of them that, you know, his name has kind of been all over social media lately because he's no stranger to, to CMU. He was the head coach there starting in 2007. He went 27 and 13 with two Mac West division titles, three bowl games in three seasons. He left for Cincinnati and then later in Tennessee right now. He's uh, essentially like a, like an offensive or and defensive analyst, kind of like an overall analyst guy to Nick Saban. But right, right. Yeah, he's an option too. Tyrone Wheatley. I know he really, really wanted that Western Michigan job for PJ Fleck left for Minnesota. Didn't get it. Tim Lesnar got the job, but Tyrone Wheatley, he wants that. You know, Mark Mark Staten, you know, longtime offensive line coach under Mark D'Antonio. He's a guy that you know his his name could come up in the mix a little bit. Maybe there there is really options down the line some people are even saying that Brady Hoke is a guy that could try to get back to the state of Michigan he's a I Ball State alum he knows he knows the Mac and yeah. that's kind of the thought he was a head coach at Ball State for six years took right, two bowl right. games there's options right for him to take over but yeah the options are, I feel like are so similar with the exception of a niece being a little bit further out there as maybe yeah. a front runner but if not him I think there's a ton of guys that that really have a shot I, I think right now if a niece wants the job if he thinks if he wants to leave Ferris State, it's his job to lose. I mean, you look. He's po- he posted a one ninety five and forty one record in twenty two seasons as the head coach or as a head coach at Montrose, Ann Arbor Pioneer, Jenison, and Muskegon. He made fifteen playoff appearances and made five state uh, semifinal appearances and won three state championships in twenty two seasons and uh, the high school ranks. And then even recently at Ferris State, he's made it to the super regional final. In each of the last four years, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think he's he's a guy that has a shot. Another guy that that I've kind of been high on a little bit, but I don't know if he hasn't really come up in too many talks. But I, I think he's a guy that could make some noise. Is Zach Azani? He's a wide receivers coach for the Denver Broncos right now. He went to Central Michigan. He coached, you know, Central Michigan as an assistant head coach and a wide receivers coach. He's bounced around from you know Valpo, Bowling Green. Obviously, CMU, Florida, Western Kentucky, Wisconsin, Tennessee, and then with the Chicago Bears in 2017 and now Denver Broncos. I think he's a guy that could come back to CMU where he played wide receiver from 1994 to 98. He had a degree in sports management. He knows he knows the campus. He understands CMU. I know Bowling Green, um, You know they're looking to fill their head coaching position right. too, and he was over there as well as a graduate assistant and a wide receivers coach. Um, he did, did that for about five, six years, so... Maybe CMU tries to pull Azani on board as a head coach, or maybe as an offensive coordinator. If Ostrowski gets let go, I like uh, both, both of those options. I think if Anise comes in for sure, I think everything gets changed up. Defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, special teams and everything. I think all that goes differently because the way that Anise is a Veer head coach. He's been running the Veer every, everywhere he's gone. He's run the Veer offense. It's where he runs right now at Ferris. And those guys aren't going to know the veer as much as the guys that he knows know the veer. So I think if a niece comes, everything's changed up. But 
someone else they might keep in Ostrowski, mm-hmm. you know, as as an offensive coordinator. Maybe I don't know. I think he's been, I think he's been rough this year. I think it's too much for him to to keep. And obviously that's the head coach's decision, though. But yeah, I, I do like Azani as a potential OC in a way that they can say, all right, all right, Zach, you come in here and, and whenever you know Tony Anise wants to move on or whenever he takes a higher job, because if that's what he really wants to do. The option's going to be there, and, and he's going to be able to do that in, in four or five years if he's successful. Right. Offers will come on the table. I think that's a situation where you say, all right, Zach, I want you to be our next guy. And I think that, you know, Anise would do that with any of his OCs. I think he understands that right. he wants to keep building up. No coach doesn't want to go up. No. Right? No. I mean, unless you are a big John Bonamigo, dream job, CMU kind of a guy, which I don't think Anise is. No. There's always Anise, a next step. I think Anise is, he wants to win. He doesn't care how he has to win. He just wants to win. So when it comes down to it, no matter where he's at, his his idea is to win football games. It doesn't matter if it's his dream job at Central Michigan or if it's his job that he has now at Ferris or if he ends up going Juco or whatever, like if he ever leaves Ferris. I think no matter what he is, he's just he wants to win. He wants to win national championships. That's their idea this year. They're on the Michigan Revenge Tour is what they're calling it over there in Ferris State right now. They've played three teams now that they've played in the last three years and been knocked out by uh, over the last three years in the playoffs. They've played Harding, who knocked them out last year. Northwest Missouri knocked them out two years ago in the semifinals. And now this year they've got Oxford. Oshawa Baptist, wherever you say it, it's in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. They knocked him out three years ago in the Super Regional. So, I mean, they're playing three teams right now that they're trying to beat. They're trying to get that revenge on them, and they're trying to win a national title this year, and then maybe next year move on to fit, or Central. So what about one team that hasn't been winning as much against their rivals and, and maybe you know had a successful revenge tour for a little bit, but then eventually fell off looking at you know the University of Michigan with their loss against Ohio State? I mean, the, the real question is when you look at a guy like Jim Harbaugh who you know you you come to Michigan and you know what's the rule beat your rivals every time every year and people were talking you know Jim Harbaugh this Jim Harbaugh that you know he's on the hot seat and they were saying that you know before this year started and then right. he came out and he took care of business yes he lost another Dame to start the season but bounced back with you know huge wins over Wisconsin Michigan State Penn State each of those wins were uh, against those teams when they were ranked, obviously, all huge wins right. for him at the right. time, and then goes into Ohio State and absolutely gets kicked out of the stadium, 62-39. to 39. What, what is the state of the University of Michigan's program right now under Jim Harbaugh? I think where you really have to look at is they're all, he's 0-4 against Ohio State, so that doesn't help. He's 2-2 two two against Michigan State in his four years. So he's had a little bit of success, but not much. He's beat Penn State. He's beat... Wisconsin, but I think another thing you really have to look at is his bowl record. He's one and two in bowl games, mm-hmm. and if he's not able to win a bowl game this year, that puts him at one and three in four years. Now his overall record is thirty-eight and thirteen. He's had some success, minus you know the eight and five season uh, a year ago. But I think you really have to look at that bowl record and the record against those rivals, Ohio State, zero and four against Ohio State. You can't beat Urban Meyer in Ohio State one time, especially with the recruits that he's able to get and Shea at Michigan. Patterson? Yeah, I mean, come on. You brought Jay Patterson in for a reason. You brought him in to win. You brought him in to win the ship. Yep. Don't you dare tell me that, you know, it, it, don't, don't you dare tell me that the goal in bringing Shea Patterson in wasn't to win the title. Because if it wasn't, Dylan McCaffrey would be the starter this year. Joe Milton would be the backup. 
They probably would have lost one of those games against Wisconsin, Michigan oh, yeah. State, Penn or, State, or Penn State. They would have lost one. It would have been another. It would have been a nine and four season. You brought in Shea Patterson to win, and you don't get it done when you need to. So when is Jim Harbaugh officially on the hot seat? Is it is it right now? Is it after the bowl game if they lose? I or think is it not till next year. What when is he actually on the hot seat? Because at some point you have to win that game against the team from Ohio, which we all know is Ohio State. When? I I don't know, really. If even you could look at even Don Brown, everyone's real high on Don Brown. And don't get me wrong, Don Brown's a great defensive coach. He had the best defense in the country. But then you go play Ohio State, you give up sixty-two points, five hundred sixty-seven yards, and three hundred ninety-six of them is against your pass defense, which is supposed to be your specialty. How do you give up almost four hundred yards in the pass game against what is your specialty on defense? It's it's just atrocious. Actually, you know when you think about it more and more, and you think about what Don Brown is supposed to do for that defense. And, and yes, he did it for yes, he did it for long enough, and he was able to build something really su- successful. And, and I understand that he had a great overall season, but in that game, you got to make it happen. And, and you yeah. know how it is when I had – I mean, I, I don't think Harbaugh would ever fire you know, Don Brown. If Harbaugh leaves, someone else might come in and sweep Don Brown out. But he's been successful everywhere, and I understand that you have – one bad game. Right. That's different. Because in games past, Don Brown has been successful against everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not in a situation where, yeah, Don Brown hasn't been that good. No, he, he has literally had one bad game at Michigan. Yeah. Like one so like, really now- bad game. And this was it. Harbaugh, on the other hand, lost to Michigan State twice, lost to Ohio State four times. It's a different situation when you look at a guy like Harbaugh who has multiple poor losses. Don Brown has one bad game. I don't think right. he gets canned. There's no way. But Harbaugh, when do you say, hey, man, you got to make a move. You, you got to yeah. figure something out now or else you're going to be out of here. I'm thinking it, even if they lose the bowl game this year, I think next year is make the college football playoff or you're done. But the problem with Michigan, too, is he takes up so much space. It, his buyout's so large, and he's already signed on for so long. That 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 brings a problem. The other problem is he brings in guys. Like he brings in good recruits. He's always in the national media. Like the yeah, school so is always in the national media. So does Urban Meyer. Yeah, though. I mean they they're they're normally in the top of the the twenty four seven sports rankings you know, year year in and year out. Ohio State normally ends up actually ranking higher. But your point makes sense though. I mean I get what you're saying. They both it it, it comes down to coaching. I think. I mean your yeah. your team brings in top guys every year. Okay, I get it. Ohio State, they do the same thing. Ohio State probably brings in more five stars than Michigan, to be honest. From I guarantee from they do. But the point of the matter is, you still are bringing in guys that can play football and that are these highly talented prospects that everybody wants, and you bring them in here and you can't get the job done when it matters. And it's not even like Shea Patterson had that bad of a game. I mean, 20 for 34, three touchdowns, one interception. Their defense just got shredded. It wasn't even yeah. like he played that bad. I mean, if I would have told you Michigan scores 39 and loses – you wouldn't have I'd have never me. thought that. No, no, never in a million years. No. The offense played fine. the The problem is the defense there, and uh, I don't really know. I think another another defense that's really struggling. Football heavy podcast first episode here. Another defense that's really been struggling is the Lions defense. Yeah, I mean, and no, and no Marvin Jones Jr. and no Marvin season, Jones out. Jr. He's out for the rest of the season, so. I mean, this is, we're getting into our next segment already here with the Detroit Lions. You bring in Matt Patricia, who's one of the better defensive coordinators you thought, in, yeah, in I mean, the league. I mean, was. at least you thought, yeah, yeah, when he was at 
uh, New England, and then this year, the offense we knew was going to struggle. The offense has never been good, but they can't. Inconsistent, I would say. Okay, yeah, that works. Inconsistent's fine. But in their losses, they're giving up 25 or more points in every single one of their losses, except for the one to the Bears this last week, where it was 23. So, really, you're not... I mean, they gave up 48 to the Jets on opening night with Sam Darnold, a rookie corner. I mean, the when does Matt Patricia... I mean, obviously it's his first year, but how long do you give him before he has to really turn this thing around? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to give him more than just one year. It's it's you got to allow him to build his own system, right? Right, 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 right. So I, I see Matt Patricia as a guy that comes in here with the Lions, and, and yeah, he's all big and bad, pulling from you know Patriots head coach Bill Belichick's brain, and thinks he's got it all figured out. And when push comes to shove, quickly realizing you don't, you don't have it all figured out. Your offense is inconsistent. You finally have a run game, but Obviously, injury to carry on Johnson kind of clouds that up. You know, you, you get rid of Golden Tate, and then you know Marvin Jones Jr. goes down with an injury. I mean, there's really, like, no positive this season anymore. I mean, you, you no. really take a look. You got week 13 to 17 left, and you take on the Rams, the Cardinals, loss, the Bills. win, maybe a win. And then you got the Vikings and the Packers. Loss, loss. So you look at what you have there. And is it even worth it to think anything might come of this season? No. No, uh, no, it doesn't. You're four and seven, it doesn't matter. You're not winning out. It's no, not happening. No. So I think at this point, it's more about hitting the reset button. You gotta you gotta think about the future. You gotta think about your moves. You have to think about what you have going on. But honestly, shoot. I don't know if the Lions are ever gonna actually be relevant in the NFL. They're always gonna have little little That's tidbit so of storylines, but they're never gonna become fully relevant. And, and this game against the Rams is a loss. Chalk it up. Yeah. It's happened. Chalk it. It's at home. Don't matter. It's, it's silver linings. It's at home. But it's the Rams who's probably, arguably, the best team in the NFL. I mean, yes. Behind the Saints, maybe. Or you'd even argue the Chiefs, even though the Rams won the head-to-head. I mean, that game on Monday night a couple weeks ago was probably a preview of the Super Bowl. Jared Goff and Todd Gurley, good luck. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah, the, the defense isn't going to have any chance there at all. Um, I, I really think they're in a situation now where they're smarter to lose games. If they lose the last five, then they finish four and twelve. Good draft pick. You could maybe pick somebody else, pick up a weapon for Stafford to throw to other than Kenny Galladay. And my problem is too, I mean, they, they have been drafting offensive linemen and offensive linemen and offensive linemen over and over and over. And the offensive line still sucks. Yeah. Oh, they I mean, look at, look at Stafford's pass protection. It is awful. It is absolutely atrocious. Look how many times that guy gets sacked per game. Like, I, I, I am thoroughly surprised that Matthew Stafford has not had a serious injury this season. And I'm surprised that he wasn't even that banged up last year. Yeah. I mean, there, but it was countless, countless moments where this guy was, was hurt. I mean, he would get up and he would be slow to get up. He'd be hobbling. You know, his shoulder would be hurting. His hand. Remember when he had that wear the glove yeah. the one year? I mean, right. He has been minorly injured so many times and in 10 seasons with the Lions I am so surprised that, that guy has not gone down and been out for an extensive yeah amount of time. I mean a trooper it really just shows to the, the toughness and the strength of Matthew Stafford but you talk about getting sacked a lot in the last three weeks Matthew Stafford has been sacked a total of 18 times 10 against Chicago six against um Carolina and then he got sacked twice this last week against Chicago but in three weeks you're letting your quarterback go to the ground 18 times before he can even get rid of the ball Trying to kill the guy? That's awful. It is. 
I mean, it, it, at some point, it's just it's just crazy. And how many offensive linemen they've drafted is the other thing that just really shocks me. I mean, at, at this point, just go for skill players. Just load up on wide receivers. Get get please get a damn good tight end. Get a couple more running backs. I oh don't yeah, because that's what we need. We need five five more running backs than top of the five that we already have on the roster. Well, you know what? Carryon Johnson goes down, and what do you got? Legarrette Blunt. What is he good for? Another year. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, r- really though, get as many as you can get because there is no guarantee of anything with the Lions. And I'm not saying you have to go out and draft five of them. Actually, I'm saying pick up <laughs> pick up two of them. Get 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 a running back in the in the second round. Whatever. What wins you games? It's offense. It's all offense. That's how the league is. I get it. Defense is great, and defense is important. But you want to bring people, and you want to fill stands. Exactly. You got to have a good, high-powered offense that's going to put points on the board. No one wants yeah. to watch a 7 nothing game. No one's going to pay to watch that. And you're not going to win it anyway. No. Not in the Lions situation. People people out anymore. That doesn't happen. Especially not in Detroit. Especially no, not, not in at Detroit. all. Definitely not in Detroit. Well... I think that's a good way to end this first episode. Obviously, we're not going to talk all football every single week, but just for our first episode and the situation that we're in right now, all football is, is what's at the forefront it's right now. It's what's hot right now. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, we'll get into the NBA. We'll get into college basketball and some stuff, you know, later on in later episodes. But be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Evan Petzold, at Eric underscore Vandepfeiffer. Um it's been fun, and we're, every week, every Monday is when we're going to record. So episodes will be up Monday night, Tuesday morning, somewhere in there. You can find it on SoundCloud. Uh, it should be fun. This is going to be fun. And I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this, definitely, to be able to finally. And, yeah, I, I do some podcast stuff with Central Michigan Life, but there's obviously some restrictions on that. This, you know, having more freedom, like I was saying earlier, that's that's going to be a blast for me is just to be able to take the fingers off the keyboard for a little bit, you know, flex them a little bit here and, and talk about what I write down and, and what I think from a, a journalist perspective, right? And then for you as well, from a broadcaster standpoint, still get to use that beautiful voice, but Heck yeah. nonetheless. Face for know. radio, though, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we get to, you know, we get to do a little bit of this and that and kind of have our own freedom. I like it. Yeah. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Every week we'll be back here on the Press Box Perspective. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for ESPN 100.9 FM, the studio here, Top Dow Diamond, uh, for letting us come in and use the studio. We'll be here pretty much every single week recording. So a big shout-out to them for allowing us to come in here. And a shout-out to everybody else for listening. Thanks, guys.